Thank you for downloading this Freedom Fellowship Midweek Podcast, where we share real stories about your journeys about faith in Jesus Christ and what He is doing in our lives. In this episode, we'll talk with John Mueller about the heart of worship. We discuss what that looks like here at Freedom Fellowship, along with what that looks like in our own lives. So we're here having a conversation with Mr. John Mueller, our praise and worship leader here at Freedom Fellowship. So John, what's on your heart today? You know, something that is on my heart is always worship, always worship music. That's I joke constantly that that's my second language, um, that music is it. And um, I listen to a podcast about how and why music should be picked for um, a, a worship service. Okay. So, so w- what have you heard on there that, that you have implemented here at, at Freedom? So um, there's kind of a cycle that's that's involved with it because as there's so many different opinions on, on music and what church music should look like. I mean, is it the high holy choruses or what have you, but on this, this kind of this circle that I try to pick, I, I mean, there is a certain style that I use as a general guideline. It's not exact, but I will I always want to pick something that's a little bit more traditional, you know, say a hymn. Um, another song that I might pick as stylistic wise would be maybe a song that was done that's 10 years ago. And then I always want to put a new one, something that's more, that's, that's kind of fresh. Um, this worship leader that I, that I follow, he, he calls them bangers, just, bangers, just okay. bangers that are just like hard hit. Like we do that song rattle at church. It just, it's just really, right. um, that just calls that a banger. So I kind of look at those three things to start to guide it. That's kind of like my overview. Then I also want to look always talk to and i'm probably a pest to who's ever preaching that week and i will contact them and say okay do you have a theme do you have a scripture and then i soak that in um for quite a while and try to see what direction i'm I'm picking music based on where we're going because there is such there i mean there are studies that show that your heart and well, not your heart, but your your brain and the way you feel, it's connected. So if, if, if you're singing songs about Jesus dying on the cross and being rose again, it makes it infor- uh, reinforces if Justin, if you're preaching on the resurrection. So right. I'm, I'm very systematic with with picking music like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let, let's talk about um, the the prayerful aspect of that for, for you as a worship leader. If somebody has always wanted to know prayerfully, how do you go to the Lord before you select music? Can you get any kind of specifics sure. about that, that that you're willing to to share with us about why doing things in a prayerful, spirit-led way and kind of what are the results of that? Absolutely. So I'm just generally speaking, how it happens is I'll go to my dining room table and I'll sit open open my computer and I have what we, we use, a planning center. And I have it kind of pulled open and then on one hand and then the other hand, I'll have my Bible slash my Bible app because, you know, we are technologically advanced nowadays and look at whatever, Justin, what you're telling me. And I will read that scripture at least three times. Mm-hmm. And as I read it, I may write down a note, some, hey, this little phrase um, 
sticks out to me. And I feel like I've heard this before. And um, I let that soak in at least three times. So on my sketch pad, I'm writing down some, some notes. Um, and then from there, I go back to my planning center and I'll look if there are any specific hymns that kind of that or songs that beam out that that kind of stick out and right. then i and then i just plug them i don't put a place i don't i don't i just stick them in and sometimes i'll have 20 songs for a sunday and yes we haven't done 20 songs in a sunday because the service would go till five yeah. o'clock yes. yeah yeah <laughs> but i'll have sometimes i mean sometimes it's three or four sometimes it's a bunch and um that's where i usually i generally start just kind of soak that in mm -hmm. um i will a little side note um that I, if I'm having trouble, there are times when I will use, I know it sounds bad, but I will use Google because there's so many songs. I've done tens of thousands of songs in my lifetime. And right. so sometimes I'll put in a scripture and say, is there a hymn that doesn't happen very often, but I will use that because I really want to be intentional. I want to be intentional that mm -hmm. I'm not just picking random songs, throwing darts at a board. I want right. to be very intentional. Um, so once that list is compiled, then I go through and I pick up a, uh, um, I always, I think of, I went to a training years ago and it talked about a, a worship service goes from the outer courts to the inner courts, from outside the Holy of Holies to the inside the Holy of Holies. So like, right. and I, I kind of base my worship on that. So if you look at my music, generally speaking, it's going to be a very welcoming. It's going to be, um, we worship you. We worship, you know, all about God. It's you, you, you know, I'm just praise, praise to the Lord, the almighty. I mean, just something very, um, not, I guess I don't want to say non-threatening, but it's a more welcoming. So I kind of start there and I usually start at higher energy. You know, I mean, who knows where people have come from. I don't want to start in with some deep, you know, um, I, I'm going, drawing a blank on some, intimate song. like an intimate yeah. yeah yeah and i'm not you know you who knows what happened with johnny or Susie on the way to they spilled coffee or you know parents it's you know getting kids ready for church is sometimes a tough thing mm -hmm. so i get with start with some very welcoming and then slowly but surely by the last song you'll notice this before the sermon is preached that's where we're kind of a little bit more intimate intimate like um um this is the air I breathe, you know, talking about just um, he you are my daily bread. You, Lord God, are the, in my heart. Open my heart to see the things that that touch your heart. Those. So we get kind of that. So we start on the outside and come in. And a, a lot of times, I mean, most of the time it starts with a higher energy song and kind of slowly moves down to a. Does that make, am I making sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. And so my question is, is this for the person in our congregation, why, why are those different? Um, I don't want to call them levels, but, but what you just described, why is that important for a worshiper that shows up to, to freedom fellowship? The, is, is there a process that helps kind of, kind of focus them uh, from being completely distracted with, you know, spilling the coffee with the kids and all of that, kind of refocusing them, blocking out the things of of this world. Is that beneficial to them? Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I like how you said that kind of and 
if you can't see um, Justin on the camera, he's hands are wide and coming into this focus. So you're kind of like out on the outside, holding my hands out wide and bringing them in to try to focus them. So you are, it's exactly like bringing them from the outer courts to the inner courts, focusing right. from, okay, here's the world outside me. Let's put the cross before me as the old song yeah. goes. It's mm -hmm. like you are, it is a time where we can get laser focused so that our arts are open. I mean, in the scripture, you know, that says that, um, we stand at the door and knock and he's there, but he's not going to open that door and slam us through. We have to make that choice. So if we can get right. to that place where we're making face to face with Jesus and we are able to open our ears and our hearts to hear what what you guys, what you and Eric and Nate and Tom and all have prepared because you guys go through a ton of work. Right. So and that helps soften our hearts so that we're able to soak in what they God has been speaking through them. So let's talk a little bit about that because this week that that came up a few times when when we were talking that there is there is so much intentional preparation from the the preaching side. That's that's one of those things that um, of course we know scripturally that we are held to a higher standard as teachers that we are responsible for proclaiming Christ to the people not just in this local church body but everywhere that we go. So. From, from the preaching standpoint, there is a lot of preparation of reading the text and, you know, supplementals to the text and really just kind of being prayerful. And, and you have touched on this before. How important is preparation for you as a worship leader, but also as a member of the worship team? Let's say just a, a musician, let's say a bass player or a drummer or a keyboardist. How important is preparation for you going into each Sunday? Yes, sir. That is such a great question. I mean, and I feel like it all stems from God gives us talents. He gives us those. He's, I mean, he has given us grace. He, I mean, this is not, we're, like I said before, we're in this world, but we are not of this world. With the cross right. behind us, or before us, the world behind us. Well, God's given us those gifts. So, don't you think or that I'm just rhetorically saying this to myself that God would want the best from us? So if he wants the best from us, I need to give him my best. So in order to do that, I have to prepare. I'm, I'm practicing the chords and I wish I could say that I was 100 percent in the worship team can can attest to you. There are some days that I'm like super, super, super prepared. And there's other times. And if Dylan's listening to this, I put the capo on the wrong spot and we did an entire song in the wrong key and Dylan gave me a hard time. But I mean, God requires his excellence. It all doesn't always happen, but he preparation is where it begins and ends. So let, let's kind of switch gears just a little bit and approach this from a brand new believers perspective. Mm -hmm. If you were to kind of put yourself in, in their shoes they come in, let's say they have heard the gospel, maybe they have responded to the gospel and they're looking for a church and they come into Freedom Fellowship. Mm -hmm. Why is music, uh, worship with music, why is that important before we go into a time of preaching? Um, I keep going to my wife because she has a degree in um, music therapy. And in if there are so many studies on the brain of how music can affect you, um, 
I mean, if you listen to, if, if you know thrash metal, if you listen to a lot of thrash metal, 90% of the time, it makes you anxious and hyper. And, and if you listen to, if you're, I mean, I used to play competitive soccer when I was younger. I used to listen to classical music because it would put me in that mode, into that mood, that kind of flowing. And, and just, I try to think of myself graceful across the soccer field, but, but music stirs an emotion. And so I feel like what worship can do for a new believer is if you use the scriptures that those songs are based on. And if we're looking, listening to the words, not just as a catchy tune or the way the drums are played or the way the drums are not played or the way my voice or the harmonies, if you focus on the words, we as a worship team, we do not want to be a distraction to that. So it kind of it hopefully creates an environment of emotions. Now, God, there's a whole thing on emotions. God gives us emotions. It's, I'm not trying to be manipulative because that's absolutely there's we could do a whole podcast on. I've heard people talk about how worship music is we're trying to manipulate you, but that's right. not it. That's not it at all. But we want to stir those God given emotions to take down any barriers that we have put up so that we can hear the word and so that we can soak in um, the ultimate promise, which is John three sixteen that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believed in him will not perish, but have everlasting life right. as a new be beginner believer. That's what I think. I, that's a lot of lot. That's, that's a lot to unpack, but yeah. I feel like basically it's just to set the tone and remove any barrier so that a, in a non-threatening way so that the gospel is being able to preach. Yeah. Well, and th there, I, I think you and I have, have talked about this once before, but uh, when I was in seminary, one of the things that they told us was approach everything that you do, homework, reading assignments, mm -hmm. work assignments, you know, term papers, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Don't look at it as those things. Look at it as an act of worship to the Lord. Mm -hmm. The first time I heard that, I was like, okay, you're just putting a Christian spin, trying to make this, you know, sound Christian-y. <laughs> but then they continued to stress that point that anything that you do unto the Lord, do it as an act of worship. Yeah. Including reading, you know, 60 pages of this theological textbook and blah, 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 blah. This paper that I was writing approached that not as homework, but as an act of worship. Mm -hmm. So I was the biggest skeptic of that particular statement because I was immediately like, okay, stop trying to do that. But the more that I found out is I approached everything that I did, even the smallest assignment prayerfully and as an act of worship. And I'm the biggest proponent of that now. Because it doesn't have to be. So when we talk about worship, we think of you leading from the platform up there with your band behind you singing praises to the Lord. Mm -hmm. We think of that as worship. But for me, who was a student at the time, or someone who is just a, a believer reading their scripture, that too is an act of worship. And the, the thing that I've learned over the last decade or so is worship is anything that is that you're doing unto the Lord and not unto yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you sit down and, and read just the verse of the day in the Bible app, 
when you do that, that is an act of worship. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't have to be, you know, in a darkened auditorium with hands lifted high and, you know, music and, you know, bangers, you know, playing and, you know, that kind of thing. It, it truly is an act of worship yeah. unto the Lord. And that, that, that threw my mind for a loop because it took me a while to understand it. I understood it on its face. But when I actually started to implement that, things changed for me. So having said all of that, that new believer, when we tell them, you know, worship is important. What else would you say to them aside from music? Aside from, um, while you were talking, go figure, I think of a song, but there was a song that kind of came to my mind when that, um, it's a song from the nineties and the lyrics are when it's all said and done, I will breathe the breath of worship. So to worship in all you do. So as a new believer, um, I would say to take one step at a time and to not try to overthink it. Um, I would say if you're just reading the scripture once a day, just breathe that in and, and read that scripture a day. But to ask the questions and to put those people in your life that can answer those questions for you biblically, um, I it just the music that i mean you're talking about you know we're talking a lot about worship i mean there are many songs out there that can kind of help you um get yourself in the frame of mind and that along with seeking counsel you know talking to an elder or even just your neighbor that somebody that's scripturally based that to help does that answer your question yeah i I think so And, and the other part to this, I think that as human beings, mm-hmm. saved or unsaved, we are built to worship. Yeah. Because, you know, when you look at it from the Christian perspective, that's kind of the the easy thing that we see every Sunday. We are yeah. truly worshiping the Lord. But for an unsaved person, they worship things and people as well. We We worship the Lord. And then if we're honest... We worship other things as well. We yeah. worship money. We worship, you know, celebrity, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think it's innate in our human DNA to worship something. Mm-hmm. And and there's a, a passage from Romans chapter one, because I remember hearing uh, at one point there was a question that was asked to a pastor is how can we hold someone like a Native American who has never heard the gospel before think back to you know 1800s they have never heard the gospel before how can the lord hold them accountable and the answer is found in romans chapter one where it says that god's attributes are clearly seen by everyone and so you think back to just the native american culture they have idols and things that they worship without ever hearing about paganism or Judaism or Roman Catholicism or anything before anyone came to America, mm-hmm. they were worshiping things, totem poles and, and things like that, that it's, you, you would find the same thing in the Amazon rainforest, uh, you know, a culture in there, they worship certain things. They worship, you know, the God that the gods, little mm-hmm. G that make it rain that, you know, this, that, and the other. So my point is it's innate in human nature to worship 
either a higher being or someone or, or something. And yeah. so I think it's just a matter of talking to that recently saved person that, yes, we do worship. We have worshiped our whole lives. Some parents worship their parents. They look up to, you know, heroes and, you know, things like that. Athletics. Athletics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's a matter of refocusing that worship yeah. from a secular worldview to the one who truly deserves mm -hmm. that worship. And that is the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not saying that, you know, athletics and siblings and children and money and all those aren't good, bad. They're not bad things, right. but the true worship should be, you know, the guy that, as it says in the scripture, if you don't worship, the stones are going to cry out. I mean, it's that type of um, worship that we were, like you, you started, we were created to worship. That's yeah. it. So kind of switching gears again, are you seeing any kind of trends nationally? And I'm not talking about fads, but any kind of trends, um, worship wise, um, good or bad that, that you're aware of that you're wanting to either implement or to not implement. Um, doing a lot i feel like the what some of the things that they're doing is using a lot more choruses with the worship behind the worship team i've seen some of that that would be fun to do mm -hmm. um num we'd have to i mean they're usually in bigger congregations so like you know having the like a whole choir behind you doing while you're doing the same music i would say that's kind of a big thing another thing that i've seen um i know that there's a church uh, i just forgot the name of it out of i think they're in dallas but they worship in a circle so they don't have like a stage per se that they're up on top, they're down on the ground and there's people, there's people standing all around, like, you know, the, the congregation is standing next to the lead singer and the mm -hmm. guitar and they're just like a gathering of people and they're in a circle and the keyboard is sitting in anyway. So I've, I've seen that a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's a place for our congregation, but, and that's just a trend. I mean, it, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, one of the hardest things that I did when I first started leading worship is I felt weird being on a stage. I felt weird being the, I, mean, I it's against my nature to be that folk. I know that sounds weird, but to be on that stage and to focus on me because it's not my heart. I am not a rock star up there. I, that is, if, I mean, I almost am like, can I stand behind a, a curtain there was actually a church that i did play at this was when i was in denver that the, the worship team was at the back of the church and that was so great for me because i felt like i could not have people staring at me so not make me the focus so anyways that was big yeah. big um conversation just to say that that trend i saw was that people were on the floor um just kind of surrounded them and just yeah. people worshiping so yeah I've, I've seen that in music videos and worship videos and, mm -hmm. and things like that. But I've never actually seen it in a, a church service, but that's, that's interesting. And, and, uh, John MacArthur, he's out there in, in California. He's got that big, uh, grace community church. Mm -hmm. Thousands of people show up every Sunday. Mm -hmm. He refuses to put video screens in there so that the people at the back can see him. Cause he said exactly what you said. It's not about me. As long as people can hear my voice, and hear the gospel being presented, then that's all that matters. Yeah. So he doesn't want, you know, big production or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. It's 
I, I get it. I get it a hundred percent. I just, I mean, I, I remember as a young worship leader, I just, there were times I close my eyes and pretend like I'm singing to a mirror or I'm singing to literally to the face of Jesus so that I'm not looking. I mean, it, I try as hard as I can not to make eye contact with anyone because that's not, I don't, that's not about me. It's right. not about me leading worship. Thank you for downloading this Freedom Fellowship Midweek podcast. Our prayer is that this discussion helps prompt you into the Word of God and ultimately a deeper relationship with Christ. If you are looking for a church home, we invite you to check us out this Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We're located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com.